Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Colossians. Today is episode 595. We're looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. Let's read our passage. If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All of these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They're human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they're not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. This is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Paul's dealing with a problem in the church. There's a group of people leading the church astray. They're calling for the people of the church to follow some of the Jewish religious practices of following the dietary rules and the Jewish calendar. And they are also calling them to practice a form of asceticism, that is self-denial. But they're also calling for some kind of connection with angels, either worshiping angels or getting in touch with angels and looking for some special insight into worship. And this likely is a preliminary form of Gnosticism. It's not full-blown Gnosticism, but it's got some of the elements of that. This looking for the secret knowledge based on some secret information that somebody's got somewhere. Well, Paul's trying to pull them back to get their eyes on Christ and Christ alone. Stop looking for this other stuff and focus on Christ. So let's dive into it. In verse 20, he says, If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? So his point here is salvation. When you came to Christ, when you were forgiven of sin, when you were adopted by God, justified by faith, all the words we used to describe salvation, when that happened, you died with Christ to the elements of the world. So you're no longer connected to the world the way you were. You're in a different place now with a different value system and a different perspective on things. Now, the elements of the world, we saw that back in verse 8, where he talked about the human tradition and they were following things of the elements of the world. There was some confusion over what exactly he was referring to. He was referring to the, the basic principles of the world, the worldly system, or where is really looking at more of a spiritual connotation where some Jewish mystics believe the elements of the world were these angelic beings. It's hard to say really what he's referring to, but the context is you look at things which are not where you should be looking, that you should be looking to Christ, not these things of the world, even these spiritual things that are not Christ. So you died to that with Christ. But if that's the case, why are you still following that? Why are you still acting as if you didn't? So it's kind of a rhetorical question here. It's, well, hey, if you've grown beyond that, why are you still there? Why are you still looking to these things that no longer matter? Then he asks, why do you submit to regulations? And he, in verse 21, lists the regulations. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. So submitting to regulations, does that mean there's no rules? Well, there are rules. The moral code of things, what is basic right and wrong, 
And that's all revealed in, in God's law as far as sexual purity and honesty and how to treat people and charity. There's still some rules there, but there's a difference between being obedient to God's standards and legalism. And uh, legalism is easy to fall into because it's, well, in some respects, it's simple. Just give me the list of rules to follow that I don't have to think about where God is and what God wants and what God desires, what makes me closer to God and more obedient to God. Just give me a list of rules to follow. I can do that without thinking. And that can be done without any kind of heart change. So legalism is easy to fall into. But we don't get closer to God by following rules. We are obedient to God because of the change in our character, the change in our hearts. As we know God better, we don't get closer to God by following rules. And here he specifically lists some rules in verse 21. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. And these are just the things they're being told to do. You, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't eat this, you can't do a whole list of things. And their whole point there is to try and control the fleshly desires by building a series of rules. That's what the Pharisees did. They took everything that seemed to be a command in the Old Testament and then built a whole system of commands surrounding that, that if that's the, the line you don't cross, we'll put up a fence way beyond that line, so there's no way you can even approach that line. And Jesus criticized the Pharisees because of that. Their view was legalism. You please God by following rules. The real answer is we please God by loving God, and then we are obedient because we love God. Verse 22, he says, All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Let's point here back to that comment about you died with Christ, the elements of the world. All this is referring to worldly things, dealing with the things of the world, what you can eat, what you can drink, where you can go, what you can touch, who you can hang out with. All these things are rules about the world, and that's all going to perish. It's all temporary. So it's a whole system of spiritual growth, allegedly, based on things that are temporary. And they're human commands and doctrines. That's all temporary, too, instead of being driven by the Word of God, which is timeless, which is eternal. Back to get your eyes off this other stuff and get your eyes on Christ. Get your eyes on God. Get your eyes on the Word of God. Now, verse 23, he says, although these have a reputation for wisdom, let's pause there. So the question here is, is Paul speaking sincerely or with tongue-in-cheek, with irony. It could be either way. It's hard to say. There's no, obviously no tone of voice to it. So it could be saying, these things have a reputation for wisdom. Essentially, he's saying, it looks okay, this system. Or he could be saying, these things have a reputation for wisdom, big eye-roll, air quotes, by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body. So I think it's more ironic, but with the points he throws out. Although he could be saying, if you just throw this system out, if you look at it, man on the street would say, hey, that looks okay. That seems reasonable. But then you look at the elements of it, and no, it's not reasonable. And it's always that way with 
man-made rules in religion. Sometimes you look at it and say, well, okay, that seems reasonable. Until you really look at it and say, no, it's not reasonable. So he says, it's self-made religion. That is, it's not true. It's something made up. And he talked about that earlier. False humility. And that's where it's based on outward actions, not true heart change. It's fake. So false humility based on doing all these rules versus an actual change in heart and severe treatment of the body. This is asceticism that we talked about earlier, the the self-denial. Basically living a a style of self-punishment to where you can't have, can't do, can't go, can't experience anything because you have to suffer for Christ. Not suffer for Christ by the world treating you badly for following Christ, but putting yourself in a position to where you cause yourself to suffer because suffering makes you holy. Well, suffering doesn't make you holy. You're holy by God working on your heart and making you more like him. Sometimes when we do follow Christ, we do suffer. We suffer because we follow Christ. We don't self-impose suffering in order to make us look good to Christ. He says, these are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. And we saw that earlier, this idea of conquering the flesh. He said, because these things don't affect the heart. They're just outward behavior issues. To conquer the flesh, that requires transformation. The churchy word is sanctification. The actual change in us that occurs through growing in our relationship with God. So all these things, he says, they're, they don't work in what you think they're trying to do. You're trying to conquer self-indulgence, conquer the flesh, so you can get to this higher level of spiritual being. Well, it's not doing it. One, you're looking in the wrong places. You're looking to man-made stuff, and legalism versus looking to Christ. And it doesn't work anyway, because the only thing that does work in curbing self-indulgent fleshly desires is a change in heart brought about through the Holy Spirit. He said that they died with Christ with respect to the elements of the world. Now, too often, Christians are preoccupied with the world in two opposite ways, where we let the world become the marker of our spiritual transformation or spiritual development. One is we're preoccupied by the world by indulgence. That is, it's God's blessings are how well I'm doing, or the evidence of God's blessings. That if I'm doing really well, then obviously God is blessing me. And so I focus on indulging in the things of the world. Now, is it wrong to have something? No, it's not wrong to have things in the world. But if that's my goal, and I measure my spirituality based on how much I've got, well, that's wrong. Some people err that way. Some people err the opposite way. And that's what the people in in Colossae are being called to do is to separate from the world, to live a life of asceticism. We don't see the asceticism so much in our day, but we do see separation where I'm going to live in a little Christian bubble, separate from the world because I don't want to interact with anything of the world, lest it contaminate me and make me unacceptable to God. So I I live in my, my little Christian bubble to stay away from the world. 
Well, that's an error also. Now, we are to be careful that we're not contaminated by the world, but we're also salt and light in the world to bring about some uh, purification in the world by bringing the Word of God to those that need to hear it. Now, one thing, uh, we were talking about asceticism the other day, and I thought later there's a question that may come up. What about fasting? Isn't that asceticism? No. Asceticism is a way of life. Fasting is a temporary thing. Fasting is set aside some normal stuff that we would normally do for a fixed period of time for the purpose of devoting that time to intensive spiritual development. So it's saying that, okay, for this day, I'm not going to eat, and instead, I'm going to pray, read my Bible, and talk to God and grow in my relationship with God. It doesn't say for the rest of my life I won't eat. It's just saying for this particular period of time, for this 24-hour time, for this 18-hour, whatever it is, I'm, I'm not going to partake of food. And so as, as my tummy rumbles, I'm going to pray. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to immerse myself in the Word of God. So fasting is a, a very particular temporary thing with a particular purpose, and it's not to bribe God. Some of the idea with asceticism is I'm going to suffer in order to win God's favor. Fasting is not to win God's favor. Fasting is to set aside normal stuff for the purpose of seeking a deeper relationship with God and asking God to reveal things to me, asking God to transform my heart. So Fasting is not asceticism. Now, if I regularly go on these 40-day fasts and things like that, trying to win God's favor, bribe God to show him how sincere I am, well, that is asceticism. So Paul's laying out the, don't fall into this problem. And this finishes chapter 2. As we start chapter 3 next time, he's going to provide the solution. Okay, instead of doing this this way, I'll show you what to do. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Colossians.